and uh, the uh, so this it's hard to do. If if I go longer than a couple of weeks, when I'm in revival, I can hit this stuff, and I because we're there every day. It 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 takes it takes faster, and it's easier for me to get it done. You know, when we were in first that that long revival we had over in Chickasha that lasted seven months, it was easy to get concepts across to people there because we were there seven day seven days a week or six days a week, uh, seven services a week, and um, you know I know some people can't can hardly imagine that, but when we're in those long revival meetings, it's it's a lot easier for people to get a hold of these things because they're being exposed to it every day. So you'll have to you'll have to give me a little bit of flexibility here, a little room uh, to. Uh, to bring everyone back up to speed and kind of to where we're at. Because when, you, when we're talking about the anointing, the Bible really talks about different, uh, there are different kinds or different ways that the Spirit manifests Himself. And so uh, go to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we'll, we'll read this verse of Scripture, and hopefully this will help to, uh, to convey that. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Uh, chapter 12, verse 4, it says this, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So there are different ways that the, that the Spirit moves. There are different gifts or different manifestations of the Spirit. The word manifestation means to put on display. And so there are different ways that the Holy Spirit displays Himself, some of which some of us are not comfortable with. Do you all hear what I said? Some of the ways that the Spirit of God expresses himself, some of us aren't comfortable with some of those ways. How many of you know God don't care whether you're comfortable with how he expresses himself? God don't give, listen, God loves you, but he doesn't value your opinion. God don't give a rip what you think. He loves you, but he don't care what you think. When you're like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree. He's like, what do you know? Here's the deal. We, we're the ones that jacked it up. Man, we're the ones that mess this up. And so God is not consulting us about what is best. Of course, you always have men that will inject themselves or, or put themselves into that place where they think they know better of how to do things than God does. And that's why, that's why sometimes people will look at a, a certain ministry or they'll look at a certain minister or they'll look at different ones. You know, one of the people that I see under attack a lot, and I, I don't know these people, uh, uh, some of these people I'm talking about. I'll tell you, if I know any of these people, I'll tell you that I know them. But I've never met Joel Osteen. But boy, I, you know, there's a lot of people attack old Joel Osteen. You know why? Because they don't agree. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. What are you doing? Well, I know if I was him, I'd do it different. How do you know? Number one, you've not been given the responsibility to do it. That ought to tell you something. I mean, you can't even reach your neighbor, and you go tell Joel Osteen how to reach the world. You hadn't gone across the street to minister the gospel to someone across the street, but you're going to, amen, I can tell some of you ain't used to church this way. I, sh I should put a, a sign up that says, truth is spoken here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Bible says, you know, the truth, the truth will make you free. We found out the truth will make you mad first. And if you can get over getting mad, you can get free. But we, we have the, these ideas that because someone doesn't express themselves in the way that we do, that somehow or another that's wrong. And so, you know, we, we look at someone like Joel Osteen, and the Bible says there are different gifts. Same spirit. 
but different gifts, different manifestations, different way that the Spirit of God. Now listen, I'm not going to go and join myself with people where the Spirit of God doesn't express himself in the way that he expresses himself in me. That's why you got to be careful who you run with. Because if you go to a place where the expression, you know, uh, uh, of the Spirit, uh, where, where you're not allowed to be expressive in the way that God wants to express himself through you, well, you, you don't want to be a part of that. You might want to be a part of a place where there's an expression that you're uncomfortable with, because maybe it'll break you out. Maybe it'll help to transform your life. And when we look in the Bible at different, I mean, there were times, there were times that Jesus, when he ministered to people, there were times that Jesus ministered to people and it was very, very benign. It was very, very non-confrontational. You know, he was just, it seemed, it seemed more like conventional American Christianity. Stretch out your hand. You know, people stretched out their hand and there was, there was a healing. But then there was a time he spit on the ground. Took and, and put his spit in the and turned it into mud and then slapped it in some old boy's eyes and said, Now go wash in the pool of Siloam. Do you know how many people would have a problem? Well, I knew you know how many people would have a problem with that today. That's right. It's, a, it's the same people that have a struggle. Now, here's the thing does that, mean, does that mean you can't get with Jesus because one time he spit in the ground? And no, listen, you gotta, you gotta make adjustments. We're talking about the Spirit of God. And that's the number one reason why we, you know, it's not, it's not because God is withholding his presence or his spirit or his manifestation from the church. God's not withholding anything from us. The problem comes when we, there's a lack of willingness on our part to allow him to express himself the way that he wants to. That's the, that's the main problem in the church. It's not that, it's not that there's oh, so much sin and so much evil. There's always been sin and evil. Men have always been idiots. Men have always been wicked. We've always been sin-filled. But you know what? God never had a problem breaking, breaking through the sin and delivering man. In fact, that's what he's best at. Amen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, God specializes in salvation. God specializes in saving and delivering and reconciling men unto himself. God, doesn't have a, God does not have a problem overcoming sin. He did it through his son. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus defeated death, hell in the grave, made a show, of, a show of the devil openly. He conquered sin. He conquered. Glory to God. I'm about to get fired up. I, I'm, I'm just warning y'all, if you didn't know this, we're spirit-filled church. Sometimes it's hard to identify that because you got a lot of sleepy people, but I ain't tired today. <laughs> See, God's, God's moving. This whole idea that we've got to try to get God to move for us. Church, you've got, to, you've, got to get, you've got to get away from this idea that we're trying to persuade God to do something. God has been moving and he's been working and he's been looking to do things since, since forever. The word says in the beginning the spirit of God was moving. The Bible never records that he quit moving. The spirit of God's been moving all along. You say, well, pastor, what about the times that we see the move of the Spirit or we experience the move of the Spirit? Isn't that God coming and moving? No, God's been moving. He's, he's moving now. 
when we experience the move of the Spirit, it's because we abandon our way to embrace His way. It's because, it's because we chose, uh, probably, probably we chose to face the insecurities that we felt when we were in His presence, the discomfort that we felt when we were in His presence. Uh, we, uh, we decided that we weren't going to allow the unknown or what seemed scary to us. Listen, people falling on the floor under the power of God is only scary until God touches you and you're the one on the floor. All of a sudden now, it's not too scary. I don't, I don't get that, especially in Oklahoma. In the South. You know, I come... <laughs> Ted's been traveling with me since I was 17. But uh, anyway, that, I just want to explain because he'll he be getting to shouting here in a minute. And there. Amen. Yeah, well, <laughs> he got that drop cloth over him too. <laughs> There's something about experiencing the presence of God. Now, now some people say, well, what if I don't think God knocks people down? You hadn't hung out with God too much. Anyhow, boy, I'm starting to get, let's, let's talk, let me get on course, because I'm already getting off course again. <sighs> Jesus, help me. So the anointing and the, the move of the Spirit. So we, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the anointing, the manifestation of the Spirit, how the Spirit of God moves. Um, when the anointing is in manifestation, because someone asked me, they say, how do you know when someone's anointed? How do you know when the anointing is in manifestation? Well, lives are changed. Lives are changed. Is the anointing always in manifestation? No. No. In fact, I think we're living right now in a time where we're, we're a part of a generation of people that uh, the, most of them don't know. They wouldn't know the anointing if it bit them in the backside on a Sunday. They wouldn't know the difference between the anointing and, uh, you know, some emotional response to something because we're so accustomed to, you know, just, and nothing wrong with emotional responses. I think we ought to get emotional in church, but we ought to be able to tell the difference between us being emotional and the anointing and the move of the spirit. But a lot of people aren't. And so instead of, instead of and learning how to navigate the difference between, you know, being emotional and what is the anointing, we just, we just ditch it all for some kind of generic vanilla form of the, of the gospel. And it's powerless. That's why, we, that's, why we don't, that's why we're not seeing the things uh, that happen in, in our lives that happened in the life of Jesus. So the Bible says that we have an anointing in us, according to 1 John. Let's go there, 1 John, chapter, uh, it was chapter 2. We'll look at that real quick. <clears throat> there is an anointing in us. Hallelujah. Chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. It says, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an unction, or, or that word unction, what does it say in the English Standard? Does it say anointing in the English Standard? Can you put it up at all? No? Ah, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you know all things. So you saw in King James it says, but you have an unction. That unction is anointing. 
But you have, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. And you, or you all have knowledge. Now, verse 27. I believe it's verse 27. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. Say this with me. Say, it abides in me. So if you're a born-again believer, if you're a born-again Christian, you are anointed. There is an anointing that abides in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. Bible says, uh, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're the temple of the living God. God's Spirit lives on the inside of us. Our spirit came, became one with God's Spirit. And so God's Spirit is that anointing that abides in us. Amen. It says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as uh, he has taught you, abide in him. So there's an anointing that abides in you. Now, we, we talked about that anointing that abides in us, and the anointing that is in you is for the purpose of, of your walk with God. God put his spirit in you so that you could live for him. Without God's spirit living in you and leading and guiding you in your, in your inner man, uh, you're not going to be able to uh, know him. In fact, uh, in Ezekiel, should, should we go there? Can I, can I help you all with that one? In Ezekiel chapter, chapter 36, Ezekiel prophesied about God's spirit coming on the inside of man. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting with verse 23. Ezekiel chapter 36. I don't usually, you know, for a long time I didn't teach on Sunday mornings, but man, this whole year I think I've spent teaching on Sunday morning. I usually, we reserved that for Wednesdays, but I think we need it. It says, thus says the Lord God, on that day I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities uh, to be inhabited and the waste places shall be uh, rebuilt. Next verse. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being uh, the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. Next verse. Uh, actually, you need to go to verse 23, not 33. We're, we're in a different place. I just realized that. There it is. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you've profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares uh, the Lord God, uh, when through you I, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Now notice, notice what that verse says. There's going to come a time where God vindicates himself in the eyes of those that are wicked through us. How's he going to do that? Next verse. I'll take... I'll take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Talking about Israel. Next verse. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, uh, from all of your idols. I will cleanse you. Now, now stop there. That sprinkle clean water. When the Bible talks about water, it's talking, uh, usually talking about the word or the spirit. So when it says God will sprinkle clean water on us, it's, I think you could take this verse and you could use it either way. His, you know, the Bible says that we're cleansed through the washing of the water of the word of God. So we're renewed in our mind. So he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. Whether that's the word or the spirit, we need it. Amen. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols will I, I will cleanse you. Next verse. 
and I will give you a new heart. Now, he's not talking about the, uh, the uh, a muscle in your chest. He's talking about your inner man. And a new spirit I will put within you. So this is where he's prophesying about the new birth. He's prophesying about salvation. That God was going to take out of us an old heart and give us a new heart. That God was going to take out. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. So when you get born again, you become a brand new person. Not, not in the natural, but in, the, in your spirit because of the entrance of God's spirit. And that's what this is talking about. Um, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So God's saying, I'm going to give you something different. Next verse, he makes it more clear. And I will put my spirit within you. Are you seeing it? I, say this with me. Say, I'll put my spirit in you. So that, that's what 1 John chapter 2 was talking about. God's spirit abiding in us. The anointing abiding in us. You have an anointing that abides. Listen, when you sin, God's spirit doesn't leave you. Are y'all hearing me? Because back in the day, there was a time in the church where I know my grandmother, one time after I got saved, we went to my, my great-grandmother's funeral. And my grandmother, you know, she's Puerto Rican and she's... I just can't, can't hardly explain that. You got to be Puerto Rican. I look at Gil and them, they like, mm-hmm. But anyway, my grandmother, my grandmother's Puerto Rican, and she's been saved. Listen, my grandmother went to school with Jesus. You understand? He signed her yearbook. I mean, she's that, she was old. And so <laughs> after I got born again, we went to my great-grandmother's funeral, and somehow or another, we had a time that we had to be in a transition uh, between the funeral and the, uh, where they were serving food. We ended up at a bowling alley waiting. Now listen, old-time Pentecostal people, old-time people, uh, religious people, you couldn't go to the bowling alley. If you went to the bowling alley, you were going to hell. Well, you know what? I didn't think nothing of it because, uh, you know, honestly, it just seemed like everything that was fun would send you to hell. Chewing gum would send you to hell. If, if you're a woman, now see, this is my wife. Here she is. She's in jeans this morning. My grandmother, my grandmother would have a hairy conniption if she was alive. But my grandmother, she saw me like this. She'd be like, oh, yeah, muchacho, que tu I mean, she, listen, I wouldn't, she wouldn't let me out of my office looking like this. You understand? She, she would say, you're in sin. That's not right. Because they, they thought that sin was something that was just very, you know, very much natural. Uh, you know, things that were, if, if, you, if you didn't wear a tie, I don't know why not wearing a tie when you're a preacher was a sin. I did finally find out why chewing gum, was, now there you are with your gum and your, and your britches. <laughs> your gum, your britches, your watch, your jewelry, the earrings, your makeup, your open-toed shoe. <laughs> to them old religious folks, she'd be the queen of hell, you understand? <laughs> She's the bride of Satan you know, over here. Of <laughs> old time religious people. <laughs> but I, I did find out why chewing gum. Anyway, I won't tell you why they thought chewing gum was a sin. But anyway, 
Uh, so I'm in that bowling alley, not thinking anything of it because I've been in bowling. And I'm, you know, I'm brand new born again. And then I start playing pool. Listen, when I started playing pool, even the young religious kids was like, you play pool? I was like, yeah, you never played the pool? They's like, it's the devil's game. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> but you know what? Jesus was at the bowling alley with me. That didn't make it not sin. I'm just saying. He was there. Because I've been in flat out sin and he was there with me. So God's spirit doesn't leave you. You understand? I'm just trying to make, I'm just trying to make sure that you understand this. Are y'all hearing me today? God's spirit don't jump out of you when you get off into foolishness. No, he's in there. It ought to, it ought to, it ought to motivate you to live different. Because he's there. He's there in your, in your foolishness, and he's there when you're on the mountaintop. But he's in us, and that's, what, that's the anointing that ab- abides in us. Say, abides in me. Abides. That anointing abides in you. And here's why. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Without God's spirit in you, you can't, oh, you can't obey the word of God. You can't live for God without his spirit living in you. You know, we've tried to, we've tried to legislate we, as the church. We've tried to vote in people so they could legislate morality. You can't legislate morality. We've been trying to teach people morality. You can't teach people morality. The only way you can be moral is by having a life change, by the Spirit of God coming to live on the inside of you, by the anointing abiding in you. If His anointing don't abide in you, if His Spirit don't live in you, there's no way you're going to walk in His statutes. There's no way that you're going to follow the ways of God. And I know some people say, there's rules. Yes, Things have gotten so crazy. I just don't understand how things have gotten so far off the rails for God's people. Well, you know, we're under grace. Yes, you're under grace, but there's still rules. Just because, just because I live under grace. I, I, listen, I understand. I can do anything I want to do, and God will love me. I can go anywhere I want to go, and he'll, he'll be in me. He abides in me. But it doesn't mean I should be doing these things. When I joined into a covenant relationship with my wife, which is, you know, the second strongest covenant, the second most important covenant that God ever established. The first, the first covenant God established was between him and man. The second one he established was between man and woman. And so the second covenant that was established Second most important covenant there is, when we entered into covenant, we made, we, we fell in love. You know, when you fall in love with someone, there are, there, there are rules. They're not, they're not a burden. Now, if it's a burden around your neck, don't make the covenant. Because honestly, you know, we, when we got married... Um, she didn't, she didn't hand me a list and say, this is what I expect from you. That probably wouldn't have been good. But, you know, over a period of time, I figured out what her expectations were and when I didn't meet them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay. <laughs> Maybe we should open up the marriage retreat to Lindsay. <laughs> She said, okay, maybe that's where I went wrong. <laughs> yeah, she didn't, she didn't hand over a list. In fact, you know, um, even when I didn't meet her expectations, uh, you know, when, you, when you're immature, you do stupid stuff. But over, you know, over the years, like nowadays, you know, I was telling the, the worship team when we came, uh, I was telling Rachel, I said, you know, someone asked me the other day, they said, hey, did you wake up grumpy this morning? I said, no, I let her sleep for 10 more minutes. <laughs> Annie is not a, she's not a good morning person. She's, she's grumpy in the morning. You understand? And so now I've, I've, I have learned how to uh, navigate those waters. I found out I can't change that part, that aspect of her, of her you know, her uh, character. I have learned, I have learned to love her and to live with that, you know, that particular thing. Um, <laughs> that's not horrible. There's a lot of people that are grumpy in the morning. Your son, for example. <laughs> <laughs> He's a chip off the old block there. But anyway. <laughs> but the love that we have for one another determined how we were going to live together. Now, here's the thing. Now, I know she's Hispanic, so that you have to, I have to walk carefully here. Now, uh, here, here's the thing. I know, and I hope you all know this. I don't have to be faithful to her. There's nothing that is keeping me in the natural. You know, uh, she she doesn't put a pair of steel underwear on me with a lock when I leave the house. You understand? In other words, I'm in control of my own body. You can tell that. But anyway... (laughs) I'm the one that was coming out of Shipley's this morning. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, she's, she's not, you know, uh, uh, now that she could do that, but how would, how would that work? That, that, that didn't work good. But I don't have to be faithful to her. I could have, you know, maybe it sounds pride or arrogant, but it's not. Uh, I, I, I realize I'm, I hear all these preachers tell these crazy stories about women that came to hotels and whatnot. I never had that happen, probably because I had Ted travel with me for years, and he always answered the door. But anyway, (laughs) we stayed in the same room, you know, we hung out together. We never, well, there was this one cleaning lady that really liked Ted. (laughs) She she walked in to clean the room, and she's vacuuming the floor. (laughs) <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm on my desk, on my laptop. I'm working at, on the desk of the hotel. And she's, she's up vacuuming. And Ted is in shorts, sitting on the bed, reading his Bible. And she's vacuuming. She stops vacuuming. And she stops. She goes, mm, 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 mm. And I heard her do that. I, I look back at her. And she's looking right at Ted. She says, she looked at me, she goes, now that's a man. <laughs> she said about Ted. I said, yes, yes, he's a man. 
And she, she went to vacuum it a little more. She stopped the vacuum. She says, she says, uh, she said, you got big calves. I like big calves. <laughs> she would tell me, Ted. She said, what's your name? Ted's like, well, he got a Bible. He's like, Ted. She said, you look like a Cuddles to me. I'm going to call you Cuddles. <laughs> I almost peed my pants laughing. <laughs> I almost peed my pants laughing. <laughs> we, 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 left, we left that. They, they cleaned up the room. She says, she says well, how long y'all going to be here? Oh, we'll be here a week. She says, okay, well, I'll see you all later. Bye, Cuddles. Ted's like. We, we walked through the hall, and we heard a bunch of laughing. He looked at me, and Cedric, Cedric's like, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> we was walking, and we heard a, a bunch of noise behind us, a bunch of ladies laughing. I turn around and look, and that lady's got all the cleaning ladies. She goes, there he is. <laughs> Hi, Cuddles. <laughs> Ted, Ted turned beat red. And then Debbie came along a few days later, and she walked him all around the hotel. She's side-eyeing all them cleaning ladies. But you know, I never, I never, I, I've heard preachers say, oh, you know, the, you got to watch out for the good. We never, I never had to watch out for no good. Maybe, maybe I'm just ugly, but <laughs> I don't care. I mean, whatever it is, I, thank God. But I didn't have to, I didn't, hi, buddy. I didn't have to be. I didn't have to be faithful. I don't never have to. I don't have to be faithful. You know what? I'm faithful to her because we have a covenant together. Because there's, there's, there are things that are settled that I'm, I'm settled at how I'm going to be with her because I love her. I know that if I love her, there are certain actions that are going to appeal to her. And then there are some things that are going to disconnect us from one another. There are going to be things that pull us apart or there are going to be things that bring us together. And so uh, there are rules. Yeah, but you know, Christ, amen. see, he's, he's already learning. You hear, he's he like, come on now. But Christ is, Christ is, you know, see, people say this, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Jesus came to fulfill the law. We're no longer, we're no, you know, this whole thing with Creflo Dollar and the, uh, and the tithe. Uh, tithing is under the law. Well, so is committing adultery. So because we don't have to pay tithe, now we can commit adultery? I mean, it's the law. And, the, and according, to, according to some people, since Jesus came and fulfilled the law, now we don't have to do none of that? You mean now you can go and kill somebody because, you know, they get on your nerves? No, we, they don't work that way. Amen. So God, God's spirit lives in us so that we know, so that we know how to, how to commit ourselves in a relationship with him. So that's the purpose of the anointing in us. Now, see, some people get confused. They're like, well, if I'm anointed and the anointing is in me, that's all I need. Well, no, Jesus, Jesus told his disciples you know, to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. In Acts 1.8, he said this, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So there's an anointing in you, and then there's an anointing upon you. The, the anointing in you is, is for your walk. The anointing upon you is for the work. 
You know, Benny Hinn recently wrote a book, and he, he called the, the anointing that works in us the abiding anointing. Can't remember what he called the anointing upon us. Do you remember, Hilda? Huh? The empowering anointing. The empowering anointing. So the abiding anointing, he called it, and the empowering anointing. So what we've been talking about is the empowering anointing. Have I got you caught up now? Oh, man, see, some people are like, I thought you were in the middle of your message. That was the review. <laughs> what we've been talking about, about that empowering anointing is this. That empowering anointing is affected by lots of things. Some people, they've never encountered an empowering anointing. What a shame that God's, there's some of God's people have never encountered the empowering anointing. You say, what do you mean the empowering anointing? Well, it's when God's spirit comes upon you. In order that he might manifest himself through you. What's, what's, what's that word manifest mean? To put on, he wants to display himself through you. Well, how would the spirit of God display himself through you? Well, by doing the works of God. By doing the works of God. Well, what are the works of God? I mean, read the book. Read the book. Some of us just want to, you know, take certain parts, you know, certain aspects of it. I know that whenever I got born again, one of the first things I read was Mark chapter 16. The Great Commission, according to Mark's perspective. And it said this, it said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 15. So I felt an obligation to go out and to share the message. To do the mission. To share my testimony of what the Lord had done for me. Well, you know, the only way you can do that is by the empowering anointing. In fact, Acts 1.8, Jesus said this, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So we only become witnesses after the spirit of God. And now, can you, can you be a witness with God's spirit just living in you? Yes, but you're more effective when you allow the spirit of God to come upon you and anoint you with an empowering anointing so that you're not doing it in the strength and in the ability of your own might. But you're doing it in the strength and in the ability of God. Oh, yeah. We can do all, listen, we can do all kind of Bible stuff on our own. But God doesn't want us doing this stuff on our own. He wants us relying upon him and trusting him. You know, uh, that, there's a reason why the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but I've had enough of people uh, uh, in the church doing things for God. In the strength and in the power of their own might. Go ahead now. And there's, there's, a, there's a real, um, how you say this? There's a real uh, unsettling in the hearts of believers everywhere. As God begins to draw people to the place where they're more dependent on, more trusting in the Holy Spirit and His ability. In, in a in fulfilling and in, in, in enabling you to fulfill the purpose for which you were created. Amen. Praise God. And so I read that, Mark chapter 16. 
you should um, um, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Listen, that's where you lose a lot of people. Nobody wants to talk about casting out devils. Well, almost nobody. There's a, there's a, there's a small group, a small remnant of people that are just weird enough. Just strange enough that they would entertain the thought of casting out evil spirits. They shall speak with new tongues. You know what? There's a whole group. There's a whole group of people that are like, no, I ain't doing that. See, that's one of the expressions of the spirit. It's one of the manifestations of the spirit. If if Mark chapter 16 was the evidence. You know, uh, there was a song written back in the 70s. Um, if you were arrested for being, I think it was a song, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough uh, evidence to convict you? What if the evidence of being a believer was the evidence that Mark said had to be in the life of people that were believers? That they went into all the world. And listen, the first, the first evidence of being a believer is go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Right there. Right there, some of you, if they dragged you into court and they began to examine your life, they wouldn't find any evidence of that in you. Are y'all hearing me today? Boy, I feel like I'm in a Presbyterian church this morning. Felt that way for several weeks. Come on, I mean, what? If, 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 if that isn't being evidenced in your life, you're the only one that can do something. But you can't sit there and say, well, you know, brother, I try. No, you're not trying. What does it take to share your faith? You never come across anyone? Really? You never come across anyone that you can share your faith with? Well, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> really? According to Mark, that was the evidence of the believer, that they would go and they would preach the gospel to, to every creature. That means if a dog sits still long enough, you might preach to them. Oh, yes, I'll preach to them. Yes, that's right. I've caught Ted preaching to dogs. <laughs> Not that it would do any good, but anyway. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. That's where some of you get off the boat. I, I just don't understand that. We know. You don't have to understand it. You just have to do it. Well, how do I, how do I, how do, I do that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. You're not going to do it if you hang around people that don't. If you, if, you keep hanging around, if you keep hanging out in places where these things are never going to happen, then guess what? You're never going to do it. They'll speak with new tongues. You know, that's why I go to the church I go to. I don't have to worry about them, you know, people that are yakety yak. And tongue talking is rather uncomfortable for the non-tongue talkers. I mean, you got somebody next to you in a and and you know people get this idea that we get zombified. And that's not that's not really how it is. Well, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Well, you know, to your natural mind, 
to your natural mind. The, Bi the Bible says this, when, once, when someone prays in the Spirit, his Spirit's praying. His mind is unfruitful. Glory to God. Amen. But anyhow, they'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. <laughs> now, we ain't going to break out a box of snakes. Someone tried to mess with Joe's mom when she came to visit. It was Tyler. Joe's mom came to visit last week. Uh, Joe invited us over to his house to, to introduce all of us. And before we left, Tyler says, hey, do you want me to bring the snakes for tomorrow? I thought he said steaks. I was like, yeah. And then I realized he was saying, you know, just to mess with her. Oh don't, don't listen, don't get concerned. We don't break out snakes here. But when we, when you look at scripture, Paul, Bible says he's building a fire snake bit him. It died when it bit him. He shook it off in the fire. You know, we know what the, we know what the word's saying. If you get snake bit, you know, don't, don't fear, trust God. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Someone tries to kill you through poison, you can make it. Amen. You lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Amen. The evidence of being a believer. Amen. Are y'all hearing this today? You know, there's, there's, only, there's, only one way to, there's only one way to do these things, and that's just to go out and to do them. You say, but I, uh, no, don't, no church gives me an opportunity. Uh, you don't have to wait for a church to give you an opportunity. You just have to work it out. You know, I, I think that was probably the thing that helped me the most was I, I didn't wait for the church. I was in a church. I was in a Mennonite church. I was born again in a Mennonite church, got filled with the spirit in a Mennonite church. The, that Mennonite church, they weren't about going and doing the work that Jesus did. They were about hanging out at the church, converting people to, you know, converting people to the Mennonite way. I mean, I don't know if you know this about Mennonites, but they'll go into a community, take over the whole community. They'll never leave that community, but they'll take over the whole community. And they'll make everybody Mennonite. They may not all be Christians, but they'll be Mennonite. That's true. They'll be, they'll be Mennonite. And Mennonites are wonderful people. But when I, when I got born again, I, I felt a sense of responsibility to share my faith. In fact, you know what? Think about it. The first thing that you wanted to do after you got born again, you didn't want to start a Sunday school class. You didn't want to be on a worship team. You didn't want to go to Bible school. The, the, you, didn't want to, you didn't want to feed the poor. You didn't, want to, you didn't want to do any of that. The first thing you wanted to do when you got born again is you wanted to tell someone about what had happened to you so that it could happen to them. You, you wanted to share your faith because it's the very first thing. Uh, it's the very first thing of the character of God that was put within us. It was the, the thing of the nature of God that he deposited in us to go and to tell someone. Listen, if you've never wanted to go and tell someone, you've I, I've, I question whether or not you've ever been born again. Listen, if you just went to church and you didn't have a life change, if you've never had a life change, you... You've got to have a life change. Your life will change when you come to Jesus. If you came to Jesus and you didn't pass from death unto life, you didn't come to Jesus. Well, I prayed a prayer. It didn't work. Well, and then the Bible say all you got to do is confess with your mouth. It does, but it says that no one can come to God lest the Spirit draw him. How involved was the Spirit of God in your, you know, in what happened with you? 
How involved was the Holy Spirit? How involved was that, what we're talking about, the anointing? I've got news for you, church. Things are about to get weird in, in the body. Well, about to. It's already strange, but I think for most people that are seeking the face of God that have never encountered the Spirit of God and encountered the anointing, it's about to get strange for those people because they're about to have things happen to them that they've never had happen before. That some of us, thank God, some of us have, have experienced some of these things and been through some of these things. But there's some people they've never, I mean, they've never. Thank God there were people that were just crazy enough that when they got born again, that they went and they told someone that they found a way to communicate the good news to somebody else, to share their faith with someone else. I'll never forget the first First time I shared my faith was three days after I got born again. Three days after I got born again. I went to school on a Monday and I shared my faith with everyone that I came in contact with. You say, how'd you do that? I stuck a big old giant. I was a devil worshiper before I got born again. Lead singer in a heavy metal band. I was super popular. I had hair then and was skinny. I looked like Gabe with a bunch of hair. No glasses. We were very, I was very, I was very popular. I didn't know how I was going to communicate to those people that I'd had a life change. So, you know, I went and got a Bible at the library, a family Bible, a big one. Checked it out of the library, public library, stuck it under my arm, went to school with that giant Bible under my arm. I learned one verse of scripture, John 3, 3, because I knew you had to be born again. I didn't know any born again scriptures. So I, 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 uh, I asked someone and they said, John 3, 3, what does it say? Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I didn't even know what the scripture meant, but I preached it. They said, what are you doing? I said, what what do you got that Bible under your arm for? I said, "I, I got saved. And the Bible says you must be born again. John 3, 3, verily I say unto, and in the beginning I was a Rambo evangelist because I used to, I used to like to fight. And so people, they'd get, they'd get kind of, you know, they'd get kind of uppity with me. And I'd be like, man, I'll beat you till you see Jesus. I'll beat you with this Bible. And then I'll raise you up and you'll accept him. Or we'll go through the whole process all over again. We'll, we'll, we'll just keep doing it until, you know what I'm saying? I got a lot of people born again. And I was, a, I was an idiot. But it's, you know what? It's not about how much you know. It's about how willing you are to go. Sure what I just said? It's not about how much you know. It's about how much you're willing to go. See, that's, that's where the church is at. It's not, that, it's not that we don't know nothing. In fact, there are people in this church that are more qualified to pastor some of the churches that I go to and preach at. Some of you, you've got more understanding. You've got more. There are some of you that are here that are visiting today. Some of you, you've been in church all your life. You've got more information than you know what to do with. You've got more information than pastors had 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago when, when there was a revival, a healing. You know, when healing revival broke out, them, them preachers that were around back then, they didn't know nothing about divine healing. In fact, the church was under the impression that sickness came from God and that if you were sick, you ought to be sick for the glory of God. Then God shows up with healing power. 
Listen, you know, you know more than that entire generation knew about healing. Whether you agree with it or not, you know more about it than they do. It's not what you know. It's about what you do. And if you never cross the chicken line, y'all know what the chicken line is, right? If you never, I, listen, I don't care. You can go to every meeting. You can have every preacher from, from here to Timbuktu slap you on the head, spit on your face, uh, uh, anoint your head with oil. Listen, they can get a 50-gallon drum of oil and dunk you in. It ain't going to make no difference. If you, don't, if you don't go and do something after all that has been said and done, it will not, it will not change things not one bit in your life. Amen. Amen. It's simple. Just imagine if everyone in the church today, everyone that attended church today, if after they left the house of God, they went into their world to declare the gospel to every creature. That if someone had an evil spirit that was, that was messing with them, instead of giving them a a pill. Here, take this Xanax. <laughs> it worked for my anxiety. But we have the Word of God says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will take your heart and mind through Christ. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can try to do it our way, or we can do it His way. Are y'all getting this today? Unfortunately, what I'm saying sounds radical to most people nowadays. That the church would go and share their faith. Not quietly, radically. I'm going to share this. I'm almost done. I'm going to share this with y'all. Because some of y'all have heard it, but some of y'all have been at, at Winters for a while have heard me tell this, but some of you haven't heard it. I went to school with that Bible under my arm, and I, and I shared my faith. I had so many people get born again in my high school. That's when I was living in Ohio. I got so, there were so many people that got born again. Well, if you, don't, if you don't know my story, I was living here. I got kicked out of school here, and I got sent, shipped off to live with my grandmother in where I grew up in Defiance, Ohio. And I got born again there. I lived there for eight or nine months, and then I moved back here. Well, I got people born again in my hometown where, I, where I'd been living, where I got born again. And then they shipped me back here where people really knew me as a devil worshiper. And I came back and I went to the school, same school with the same people I'd gone to school with before. <laughs> All this started when I read Mark chapter 16. All of it started when I read, you know, some of us, we read these verses of scripture, we get hungry and then we don't do nothing with it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If, if you could get to where you believe God wants you to go by doing what you're doing, you'd already be there. It's obvious you need to change. So you can't keep doing what you're doing and think you're going to arrive somehow at your destination. You're going to have to change significantly if you're going to entertain God's way. 
When I, got, when I got to Oklahoma, I went back to the same school I'd gotten kicked out of. Born again, filled with the Spirit. No one said a thing to me in the beginning of the, you know, the beginning of the day. But by midday, I remember I was walking from one building to another, and this girl came up to me and she said, tears in her eyes, she said, I want what you got. Well, you know, I was kind of, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> I didn't know what she meant. I, I mean, I, I didn't know whether it'd be like, Hora Babylon, or, you know, try to. <laughs> she says, I want what you got. I was like, what are you talking about? She said, you're not the same. You're not the same person. I said, you're talking about the Holy Ghost. Okay. She says, I don't know what it is. She said, Ziggy, you're not the same person. I said, pray this with me. I let her in a sinner's prayer out in the courtyard of the school. After I let her in a sinner's prayer, I laid hands on her, uh, asked God to fill her with the Holy Ghost. She fell out under the power of God in the courtyard, was laying there speaking in tongues, and I just went, went to class. <laughs> Left her right there. I'd be in class. Spirit, now listen, I know some of you are like, <laughs> That's you, brother. No, if you'd listen to God, if you'd follow the leading of the Spirit, He'd lead you in ways probably you don't want to go. Go ahead, now. I guarantee you this. You follow God, and you're going to quit. Get, you, there's going to be people who won't invite you to their Christmas party. Because right. you'll, you'll show up to the Christmas party, start getting words of knowledge, start ministering to people, ruin their whole party. That's right. You'll make the sipping saints feel bad that they're sipping saints. Well, praise the Lord. I can tell some of y'all getting off the bus. I've got about three minutes here. <laughs> and again, I didn't get to... I'm sitting in choir class. Get a word of knowledge, Gil. In choir class. In choir class. Choir class. Spirit of God says there's someone here with a bad back. If you'll pray for him, I'll heal him. I am a year, I am a year born again. And the Lord is talking to me about people with back trouble in choir class. We had a substitute teacher that day. Lucky me. I stood up. I said, ma'am, I have something to say. She said, yes. And she's looking for my name. Sanchez, Sanchez, that's your name? Yes. She said, what is it that you need? I said, I turned around to the class. I said, there's someone here that has a bad back. You're in pain right now. And the Lord, the Lord told me he's going to heal you today. That substitute teacher was like, excuse me? I said, ma'am, there's someone here with a bad back. The Lord is going to touch them today, and he's going to heal them. I said, if you have a bad back, I said, raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. She said, you need to sit down. I said, you need to hang on. Spirit of God's about to do something. This big old, this big old uh, Native American family, I mean, this guy, was, he, was, he, he was scary. He was a mean dude. Uh, all through school, he was a mean dude. But he was, he was only in choir because it's easy A. You understand? It's an easy A. And so I, I called him out. I said, I said, who has a bad back? He's like, I got a bad back. I was like, oh, dear God. Had a long ponytail and everything. I, he said, how do you know he was native? Because like, his name was like Tiger or something, you know. And uh, so I was like, step in the, step in the aisle there. <laughs> you know me? He got a choir set up kind of like church. I was like, step in the aisle there. 
And he stepped into the aisle. The, te- the teacher's tripping out. She's like, what are you doing? What's going on? What is going? She's trying to figure out. She's trying to get everybody else to tell her, but they don't even know what's going on. But they're all watching. Okay. Are y'all hearing me today? Okay. Oh, you know, if I had a church that would accept me, I was in a choir class. Are y'all hearing me today? Okay. Some of you are like, well, they kicked God out of school. I took him with me. You ain't got to have Ten Commandments on the wall to have God at school. You just have to have people that are fully persuaded that they abide in him and he abides in them. And that there's an anointing on them to declare the gospel to every creature and to demonstrate and to manifest that the Spirit of God is working in them. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. That guy stepped in the aisle. I, I, I said to him, I said, lift up your hands. He lifted up his hands. I went walking toward him. I went to put my hand on him. Before I could get to him, he began to tremble and shake and fell on the floor under the no catcher, fell on the floor under the power of God. That teacher came running over. She said, stop fighting. I said, we're, she thought I, you know, I said, we're not fighting. I looked down at that guy and he's down the floor trembling, tears streaming down his face. I said, that's Jesus. He looked at me, he goes, I know. I said, do you want to receive him in your heart? He said, yes. I prayed him in a sinner's prayer. Right after he prayed the sinner's prayer, he began to speak in an unknown tongue. In choir class, at school. Not in in the 50s. Not when Ted went to school. When I went to school. In the 80s. <laughs> this in 1984, 1985. And this guy, what's going on? He walked out. He walked out of the choir class. Tears streaming down his face. Yeah, try to, try to tell. You, listen, if you, uh, that tongues is of the devil. You, yeah. Listen, I've been where the devil was, and I didn't hear nobody talking in tongues. I've been to the crack house. No one talking in tongues. Did any, now listen, how many of y'all was, was in the world? Anybody? Y'all was? How many of y'all was way off into sin? How many of you, when you went to them places that were like sin-filled, you heard people up in there going, Stupid. Never. They don't, they don't do it. If it's of the devil, that's what we'd see the devil doing. He'd be flaunting everything else. Oh, no, he reserves that deception for the church. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, if you, I mean, if you really want to be that plugged up and religious. Man, I saw so many people that I prayed for, for salvation, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit without ever even talking to them about it. Just because that's what God's in the business of doing. Over and over and over again in class. I had the counselor calling me out of class to go and pray for people. I had an Episcopalian counselor. She wanted me to cast devils out of people. She called me in the office say, can you cast the devil out of this person? I'm like, why don't you do it? She said, I don't know how. I'm like, the Bible says for the believer. I tried to help her out. She's like, it scares me. Man, she'd send me in there. I'd go in there, cast devils out of people, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. They'd come out talking in tongues. She'd be like, 
That's how I went in the healing ministry. Superintendent of the, of the school board called me into the office because I had pastors that were calling the school to, to schedule meetings with me. I was getting called out of class to take calls for, to book revivals. I had pastors show up to have lunch with me at school so they could book a revival. Superintendent said, you can't do that. You can't, these aren't your secretary. This is not your office. You're, this is school. You need to do your, your schoolwork. My Episcopalian counselor that day said, you need, to, you need to quit school, Zig. She said, I've never recommended anybody do this. She said, but you need to get out of here. She said, you're called of God. This, this is a, an Episcopalian woman who is a priest in the Episcopalian church. In front of the principal, in front of the super, she said, you need to get out of here. She said, God has called you to do the work of the ministry. There's nothing that this school can do to help you to do what God's called you to do. You, we, we're teaching you nothing for what you're going to do. She said, you're doing nothing but wasting your time. Quit wasting your time. You need to get out of here today. I looked at my principal. You know, my principal, my principal was a good Baptist. I went and preached at their church, uh, First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City. I preached at that church. He was a good Baptist. You know what? He, I looked at him. I was like, what do you think, Mr. Starry? He goes, you need to get out of here. He said, Zig, you need to go. The superintendent is looking at them like they're crazy. I said, I need to pray about that because that's close to my flesh. I hated school. <laughs> so I went into class. In fact, I'll tell you, it's the last day I was in school. I went into class. I remember the class I went into is algebra class. I can tell you teachers' names. Mr. Shof. We used to call him Papa Smurf. Because he had this hairstyle look like Papa Smurf. I walked into Mr. Shove's class. When I walked in, you know, I had people that were detractors. Oh, hey, it's a preacher. Hey, preacher. I just walked in. I didn't care. You have a word for us, preacher? I said, I do have a word for you. Don't eat yellow snow. I said, that's a word to the wise. I said, you Southerners, it snows. You go to making snow ice cream. I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> I grew up in Ohio. We knew better. <laughs> why don't you sing us a song? I remember the day. Why don't you sing us a song? I was like, all right. <laughs> I, was, I, looked, I, I looked for every opportunity I could to share my faith. I stood up. I began to sing Amazing Grace. I sang the whole song, every verse, <laughs> and praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Then I sat down. Mr. Schof was like, thank you for that, sir. Uh, now let's do math. <laughs> After that class, I went back to the office. I said, yeah, I'm out. I quit school, went full-time in the ministry. Oh, yeah. You know, you know <laughs> it's because y'all came for Donna, where it was coming for Donna, you know, her father, uh, R.W. Shambach. I was listening to him on the radio. 
I, I didn't have a message to preach, but I had listened to him so much on the radio, I would record his 15-minute sermons on cassette tape, and I would memorize them. So the first revival I did, I preached everything I knew that he had talked about <laughs> in, in one day. And <laughs> then I ministered healing to sick people. That's, that's what people wanted me to do. We'd go in, we'd lay hands on people, we'd get out of chairs, wheelchairs, off of crutches. People would get fillings in their teeth. We, I mean, we saw such great miracles happen. And God moved just like he, you know, God moved in the church just like he was moving in the school. Are y'all hearing this today? When are we going to go from just hearing the stories that I'm telling you to, to going and doing the, it, it's not God's, it's your problem, church. God's not the problem. You're the problem. You won't get off your bumper and go. What do I say? You know what the Bible says? He'll put words in your mouth to say when you go. He'll give you something to say. Just go and open up your mouth and trust the Lord. Now get filled with the Spirit first. Realize there's an anointing that abides in you and that there's an empowering anointing upon you. And when you go, trust that he's going to do what his word said, that he's going to put words in your mouth. You say, yeah, but what if, what if I sound funny? He'll use it. Listen, if you're anointed, you could get up and say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, and people will be changed. Not because of you or your word, but because of the power of God's Spirit upon you. You get up and say, Mary had a little lamb. And they'll be like, he's talking about Jesus. <laughs> no, that's all I could think of, so you know what I mean? And the, the Spirit of God will come on it and, and make it alive and bring transformation to people. Are you all hearing me today? Yeah, but Brother Ziggy, I've seen, I've seen a lot of resistance. Who can resist God? Are y'all? Really? Do you really believe that we're at a disadvantage? Do you really believe that we're the under... Do y'all really believe that you're the underdog? I've watched God show up at churches that didn't want him there. In fact, I've gotten kicked out of churches because he showed up. Ted was there with me. We prayed, we prayed for one man. He was deaf. I called him all service. There's someone here. There's, deaf. there's a deaf man here. There's someone who's deaf here, and God wants to heal you. I called all service for that person. Finally, he came forward. I was like, man, what took you so long? They said, Brother Ziggy, he couldn't hear you. He's deaf. <laughs> Stuck my fingers in his ears, prayed the prayed prayer of faith over him. Spirit of God fell on him, opened up his ears. Then they brought a guy in the same service, said, will you pray for this person? They're blind. Laid hands on them. God opened their blind eyes. Two minutes after God opened blind eyes and deaf ears, the pastor gets up and kicks me out of that church. Angry. Angry. But did that keep God from doing what God does? I found out God works, the light works best in the darkness. You ever been in a room that was so bright, it didn't matter if you put on a flashlight or anything, it didn't matter, it was just so bright. 
But you know when light really works? When it's super dark. <laughs> you just got to go. Will it, will it happen at first? Can I, can I say one last thing? And I, I was telling Ted this one time because Ted was like, you know, he said, Brother Ziggy, I've been tra- I'm traveling with you and I'm sitting under your ministry. He said, um, should the Lord be doing these things through me too? I said, yeah, he should. He's like, well, um, pray for me, he said, so God can do these things through me. So I laid hands on him, prayed for him. He felt the anointing transfer. Seth, you know what I'm talking about, that anointing, the transfer. He felt that happen. Now, guess what? It didn't, matter what? it didn't matter whether he was numb and buzzy and tingly or hot or if he fell out or if he shook or if he shondalite or hikamoshied. If that, if that was all that it was, if that's all that had happened, if that's where it had stopped, nothing different would have come of Ted's life. But you know what Ted decided to do? Ted decided he's going to go and he was going to implement what I said. He was going to believe that something happened. So you know what he did? Next day, he, he grabs Debbie. They go to the, they go to the uh, hospital and they don't go to they don't go to the uh, um, they don't go to the clinic where people are being treated for you know some minor thing. They go right over to the intensive care unit. They find a family there. They're like, and th- th- what was weird was that you ran into somebody you knew, and this guy had been hit with a baseball bat over the head, cracked his skull, his brain had swollen, and he was on life support. Well, I won't tell that one yet. Anyway, Ted, for, for, first, that's not his first foray. I'm, I'm getting to the end. So they go to, the, they go to the hospital. Ted goes to the hospital. He prays for people, just ministers to random people. And in the intensive care unit, in the name of Jesus, you know, be healed, believing that God's going to use him. He came to me first day he did that. He said, uh, brother, I went and prayed for someone at the intensive care, and I, I, I prayed for their healing he says, I really feel like the Lord did something. And I was just messing with him. I said, yeah, well, they probably died. <laughs> and, you know, because Ted's like my brother. And, and, he, and I remember, I'll never forget the look on his face. Carolyn, you should have seen the look on his face. He was like, Ted gets, get, Ted gets to doing this thing when he gets disturbed. He goes to grinding his teeth. So he stops, he's grinding his teeth. I don't think they died. I said, oh, they've, they're deader than a doornail. I know it. I know it, Ted. And he's like, well, that's no. I believed God. I said, I know. That's, what, that's, the, that's the shame of it. And I'm just messing with him, you know. I'm just messing with him. But the next day, Ted goes to check on him, and you know what? They had died. <laughs> well, <laughs> you say, Pastor, did you feel bad? Well, I didn't, I didn't kill him. You know, it wasn't me. <laughs> But, I, you know, I was messing with him. And he said, well, pastor, they died. Or brother Ziggy, they died. I said, uh, I said well, what you going to do? He said, well, I prayed for somebody else. He goes back to check on them. They died too. Everyone he was praying for was dying. I told him, I said, I said them, them nurses think you're the, the angel of death. I said, they see you coming in there like, there he comes. Someone's about to die. Where's he going, you know? <laughs> Who'd he go in to see? But then eventually they ran into some people that they knew. This guy that got bashed in the head. They go in to pray for that guy. You know what? Ted was persistent. Oh, yeah. Glory. 
Hallelujah, Titus. Surprised he wouldn't like this. <laughs> Ted was persistent in his faith. He refused to allow what seemed like opposite you know, results keep him from believing what God said. Now he's got Debbie in tow. And they go into this room, pray for this guy, been bashed over the head, dying on life support. Lay hands on him, a life support machine starts going off. Beep, beep. Ted's like, oh no, another one. You know, he starts hearing uh, Queen sing, another one bites the dust. <laughs> Them nurses came in and get, get, get back, and they're all trying to work on him. And, and Ted's like, what's wrong? What happened? He said, they're trying to outbreathe the machine. If they keep doing that, we're going to have to take them off the machine. Okay. Boy, that really sparked Ted's faith. So the nurses went out. They went to praying again. As soon as they went to praying, beep, beep, alarms going off. All them people come running in again as this person tries to outbreathe the machine, and they kick Ted out. Ted's like, that's all right. Jesus already did his work. They went to go see this guy or went to go hear about this guy the next day. The next day, the guy was off of life support, and within a couple of days, they sent him home, totally healed. No brain damage, no trouble. They sewed him up, put things back together, and sent him on his way, healed by the power. Are y'all hearing me today? But you know what? It wasn't until Ted decided he was going to go, and he was going to do, and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Stand up all over the place. Thank God. Now, I know some people are like, well, some people are special. Yeah, they go. <laughs> the people that you think are special, they just, they went. They went and they did and they believed and they trusted and they, they relied upon and leaned into the Spirit. What's cool is that God, he'll go with you, especially in the beginning. He'll go with you and he'll do all kinds of stuff with you that he never intended on doing with you for the long term. But because you're available, he'll use you. There are so few people that are available. There's all kinds of stuff y'all could do. Remember during COVID when all the toilet paper ran out? Who got, all the, who got all the toilet paper business? The people that had toilet paper. Whether it was Dollar General. Now listen, some people never went to Dollar General their whole life. Heard there was toilet paper at Dollar General. There's Mercedes Benz, Cadillacs. There was Land Rovers. There's, there's Lamborghinis pulled up at Dollar General. Why? Just because they had what they needed. We're, we're looking for the answer. And, and listen, there's a place for marketing. There's a place for all of that. But some of us, we don't realize that the answer is in the anointing. In the move of God's spirit. In your life. Not just in my life, in your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Some of you catching it. Because some of you get out there on them streets in Bricktown. Oh, Shelefre. Boy, I just love to see them pictures of Miss Ryan. My favorite picture of Miss Rhonda, she had, she had her coat on. It must have been cold out. 
She was she had her she had a hat pulled over her head. <laughs> Pastor Mikey told me black people wasn't built for the cold. That's what he said. He said, We from Africa. We're not built for cold. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I got that. I've got that picture in my head of Miss Ron. She got it, and there's these women in these burkas, right? That's, is that what it's called? They cover themselves. The Muslim ladies, they're all covered up, and Miss Ron got her her gloves on. I think they fingers pull off of them, or she got her gloves on, but she got her finger pointed at them. And Miss Ron would be getting up in your space when she preaches to you. People be like, <laughs> she's in there, boy. You need Jesus. God has a good plan for you. Boy, I could, I could hear it coming out of her. And she'll be praying for people, ministering to people. Oh, yeah. Muslim people. You know how many people won't minister to Muslim people because they think there's no hope? But you know who the people are that are successful at leading Muslims to Jesus? People that'll just preach the gospel to them. That'll give them good news. That'll allow the anointing of God's spirit to work through them to win them. I was in West Palm Beach, Florida when a young man came forward with deafness in his ears. I laid hands on him. I had no idea this kid was a Muslim. Laid hands on him. God opened up his deaf ears. All of a sudden, the cell phone started. You know how I am when cell phones ring. I'm like, you better answer. Jesus is calling. It was this kid that I just prayed for. He puts the phone. He was deaf in one ear and had hearing loss in the other. He puts the phone up to his ear, and he starts talking. He says, oh, okay. Then he puts the phone to his ear that was deaf. Because we'd already checked it. We knew he could hear. And he's talking. He's talking to whoever it is. I'm like, is it an interesting conversation? He goes, yeah. I was like, let's find out how this all goes. And so he closes his phone. He had a flip phone. Closes his phone. I said, could you hear whoever was talking? He said, oh, yeah. I, could hear. I said, who was it? He said, it's my dad. I said, where's your dad? And he looks and he goes... He's right there. And he was walking down the aisle. I said, sir, you're this young man's father? Yes. I said, are, I said you called him and you were here? He said, he said, I wanted to know if it was real. I said, well, did you figure it out? Is it real? He said, he spoke to me out of, you know, he could hear me out of the ear that he was deaf in. I said, isn't that amazing? I said, praise God. He said, praise God. He said, sir, I would like to give my heart to Jesus. I said, you mean you're not born again? He said, no, sir. He said, I'm Muslim. We want to give our, my family, we want to give our hearts to the Lord. He said, if Jesus can do this for my, for my son, I want Jesus in my life, like you talked about. I let him in a sin. I let his whole family in a sinner's prayer. He, he said, tomorrow, he said, may I bring my brother? He has epilepsy. Will you pray for my brother? Will you, minister, will you minister healing to my brother? I said, bring your brother. I said, sit him on the front row. His brother came the next night. We laid hands on his brother. His brother was healed of epilepsy, gave his heart to Jesus, was delivered from that false religion. Are you all hearing me today? It's the answer. Now, you know what? I've told you more than one time. The more you hear it and the more you resist it, the less it has an effect on you. Don't become calloused by these words that I'm talking. But open up your heart and let God pour out his spirit through you.
Glory to God. Father, we thank you today. You know what I want to do? I want everyone that's here to come forward. I want to pray for everybody. I know it might make you nervous, but I want everybody to come. We're going to pray. I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to ask God to uh, anoint you today. To, I'm going to ask that his grace will come upon you. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not right with God. Well, get right. It's very simple. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Wash me in your blood, Jesus. The Bible says that, uh, the Bible says that if anyone sin, we have an advocate. If we ask him to forgive us, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing that can keep you away from him. All you got to do is do what the word says. It's simple. I know he's like, but I feel guilty. That's all right. You'll get over it. <laughs> you'll get over it. Just be determined that no matter what, you're going to live for him. You're going to love him. You're going to serve him. When you fall, you're going to get back up. When you make mistakes, you're going to get back up. You're going to run to him. You're not going to run from him. And the fact that you mess up doesn't disqualify you from being used of him. Doesn't disqualify you from the anointing. Oh, yeah. See, the spirit of God is being stirred up right now in this place. We got a revival coming in October. Right now, there's no one on the schedule to minister in that revival except for me. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about keeping it that way, but I don't know yet. But I definitely believe this. Every time we get ready to get in one of these seasons of revival, I know that we have the potential to break out in revival here like we've seen revival break out in other places. So I want you to be in prayer. But as I pray for you today, here's what I'm praying for. That the anointing of God will come upon you and that God will give you favor, grace, and an ability, a strength to be able to step out and to go like you've never gone before. To do like you've never done before. Because sometimes that's what we need. We need his strength to launch us, to move us forward. And so that's what I'm going to pray for you today. Father, I thank you. Lord, as we conclude this service, and as I pray for those that are here today, it's my prayer, Father, that your anointing, that your spirit, will come upon each one that is in this line of people. Lord, I thank you today that you made provision for us by your spirit. Lord, it wasn't our idea for you to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. That was, what, that was your idea. You said it. Lord, you must have known that we would need it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. And even though, Lord, we think that we know better when it comes to these things of the spirit, Today, we relinquish control and we give it over to you. We say not our way, but your way. Lord, even the things that make us uncomfortable, God, help us. Help us to embrace what it is that you're doing. Help us, God, to abandon our way in order to embrace your way in the name of Jesus. Whatever God has kept us, Whatever has kept us, Lord, we're praying that today it'll be removed. 
that every burden will be removed and every yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing that's poured out upon us today. So, Father, I declare release today uh, in your people in the name of Jesus. May your spirit fall mightily today upon every one of them as I lay my hands on them. And listen, I'm just going to come by. I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with you, I don't think. If I end up spending a lot of time with you. And listen, if I start shoving on you, I'm, it's not I'm trying to get you to fall over. It's Sometimes I just feel like I'm supposed to shove on certain people. And I'll hold you up. I'll, I'll grab the back of your head too so you don't feel like a, you know, I'll hold you up. Amen. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you. And so God, as I lay my hands, the Lord says that the greatest changes that happened in your life have happened, the Lord says, over the last several years. But God says the changes that are coming, he says, are going to even be greater than the changes that you've seen. For the Lord says, you're not yet out of that season of transformation. God says, I'm taking you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Uh, the Lord says, even though your, your attention has, has, has had to be upon your family and specifically, you know, your, your daughter, the Lord says, the Lord says, you, you've not stepped out. He says, you've not stepped away from. The Lord says, you've not uh, gotten to the place where I can't do, the Lord says, uh, he says, it's needful for you to do what he's having you to do as a mother. God says, and uh, he says, as you do what, you're, what you, you're supposed to do as a mother, the Lord says, it's like you're doing it for him. You're in his, because you're being obedient to him and to his word to be the mother that he's called you to be. So God says, in there, in that place, the Lord says, is the anointing. So you had this idea like, well, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to commit myself to this anointing thing. Lord says, you're committed to it, didn't even know it in the name of Jesus. He says, you're in there, and he says, and you're getting deeper and deeper all the time. Woo, ha, ha, Ombroso. He says, so don't, he says, don't be surprised that as you're, as you're about your duties as a, as a mother and as a wife that you find yourself caught up in the anointing. You'll be like, boy, I wasn't even praying. And the Lord says, Ooh, he's a padre fesea, el bere jedea, oron sonde ni marefa, the lomo so corondo, mere jedea, hele fresia, orondo doyo no mosea. Lord says, he says, I'm attracted to your obedience. He says, and if you'll obey me, God says, oh, ya para sopoya. He says, I'll show up, the Lord says, in ways that you've never dreamed, in ways that you never imagined. God says, there are greater things. Uh, things that are new to you that you're about to enter into in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. The Lord says, I'm on. God says, you're going to discern um, what are your thoughts and what are my thoughts. The Lord says, you're going to be able to discern the difference between what would be your way and what would be his way. Uh, the Lord says... Uh, he says, um, it'll be more clear to you, God says, what, my, what I'm speaking, the Lord says, and what the Lord says, and what uh, is just 
uh, being stirred up in your, in your natural man or in your flesh. But, but the Lord says this. He says, the Lord says, I won't keep you from anything. The Lord says, I will not keep you from anything that will build. Amen. Uh, there's a scripture that's coming to, my, to me. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The Lord says, if I don't build the house, the Lord says, you're going to labor in vain. The Lord says, but you're determined to let me build the house. He says, you've already, he said, it's already in your mind. He said, it's already in your heart. The Lord says, rest. He says, rest in that. He says, you're going to, you're going to be able to separate the difference between my thoughts and your thoughts. He says, I'm going to help you with it in the name of Jesus. He says, and you'll do what I need for you to do. And he says, and you won't miss out, not on one thing. He says, because you've gone my way. Woo, celebre. You know what he told me to tell you, Sheree? He says this. He says, he says, exposure to lots of different ways, he says, will not help to develop what I put in you. The Lord says this. He says, he says, immersion, he says, in doing it the way that I have manifested it in you and through you, the Lord says, is the way that's going to make it happen and make it work right. The Lord says there's only so much you can pick up from the other. He said, he told me, he told me, tell you this. He says, that's why I brought you to this place. Because the Lord says, the Lord says, because here he said you would learn that through example, that you could depend on the Lord to lead you in the way that you needed to go. And it wouldn't have to be in a conventional manner. But that God could teach you what you needed to know without there being a natural, a natural example. Without you gleaning from what somebody else did. So the, so the Lord told me this. He says, you're about to come into a season, the Lord says, where you're settled. Where, where, you, where when you get around uh, different giftings and different calling, different anointings, that it, that it doesn't affect you in the same way. And some people are going to be like, well, you need to be open because they're going to think that what, what it is is that you're closed off. It's not that you're closed off. It's that you're settled with what God's already told you and what you're going to do. The Lord says... The Lord says this. He says, I intend to raise you as an example to others. Because the Lord says, what I'm going to do in you is unconventional. What I'm going to do in you, the Lord says, there's not a formula for. God says, what I'm going to do in you, God says, is going to be fluid and is going to be spirit dependent. The Lord says, some of these things that other people are pushing can be adopted by anybody. The Lord says, what I'm doing in you can only be adopted by those who yield themselves to the spirit. So the Lord says, he says, tuck into my ways, hang on to what I'm saying. The Lord says, I'm going to lead you in a way that doesn't seem profitable in this season, but the Lord says, it'll, it'll be extremely profitable in the season that's coming. The name of Jesus. Thank God. So, so he says this, he says, uh, you're going to be super settled because you, you just came from an evangelist meeting, but you're going to be super settled. You're, there's not going to be all this roaring in your, in your, in your spirit and in your mind. Because you came out of there roaring, but not necessarily roaring in a good way. Because it's like, in a good way, yes, because it was, it was beneficial. But roaring, there was so many noises, it's like, what, what noise, what, what, where, where do I, 
what sound do I hear? What sound do I find? The Lord says, he's working it out with you in the name of Jesus. Woo, celebre. Show ya para fodengelejea. Borosobongelejea. Horosobono. Nene marafa. I'm going to make this a man. I'm going to try to get through this quick if the Lord let me. Shene masuyara. The anointing of your spirit. Bolosoa. I declare release. Horosobongelataya. In the name. Shalamara. In the name of Jesus. Celebra in the name of Jesus. Shoromose dele gorosobongele chede. Orosobora alane noya mara masa kechede. Orosobona mara torosa. Hele kurosobongele chede. In the namasa. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somrone mosikere geche. Orosoboya barasa patano morobo. Nalamarasa parabosea. The anointing, Hele Guresa, Horosomona, the grace, Colombrondriche, Mana Somrono, Ele Belexe, Horobosia, Hananamose, Mana Mataya, the grace, the anointing, Enemosobro, Kelexicara, to go farther, to come up higher, Hele Sibrena, to go, Menexoboa. Where he tells you to go. <laughs> you know why y'all fit here, Rachel? Because the Lord said he didn't call you to a ministry. You've experienced all kind of ministry over the years. But the Lord said he called you to revival. And I mean to revival. When God fashioned you, he fashioned you for revival. He didn't fashion you. Now, listen, he fashioned your daddy for uh, um, end times, for, for things of that nature. For things that, that are kind of in that realm. And I'm, I'm, I may be butchering that because, you know, I know your dad, is, he's anointed to minister many different ways. But God fashioned him for that. You, you always assumed that God would fashion you according to what you've experienced. But God says you were never settled on any of it. The Lord says there were times that you walked in a, in a greater measure of blessing and a greater measure of favor. And you were aware of the Spirit. And it was wonderful. But he said, you've never been content because God says, uh, what he fashioned you for, you knew you had not yet entered into. You knew you'd not yet had an opening in that area. But the Lord says the doors of revival are open for you in the name of Jesus. And God says, you're going to step through those doors. God says, this, be, this, this will definitely be the more, most transformative time of your life. So much so the Lord says that even your children will begin to look at you and say, you've changed. You've changed. You're, you're, yeah, you're mom, but there's something different about you. You're carrying something that you've never carried before. And the Lord says it'll be influential because God says this. God says not only were you fashioned for revival, but the Lord said your seed has been fashioned for revival. And God says your seed is about to find their place in the flow of the Spirit. The Lord said those that, have, those that have been on the periphery, God says, are about to get in, the Lord says, right in the middle. Right under the spout, the Lord says, where the glory 
is being poured out. Because God says they tried to find their place in something the Lord says that they hadn't been fashioned for. But God says they're going to discover in you the anointing and the spirit uh, of revival. El Ebruesta and El Masiah. And God says, you guys stepping in in the name of Jesus. Whoo, Shedea. Barra Soboro, Mahon de Bande. Menesekele Grich, Drieta. Hara Soboro. <laughs> Melody, yeah, it's for you. It's for you. God says this. God says, you gotta, you gotta quit saying, maybe it's not for me. Maybe that's not what, maybe that, the Lord told me to tell you this. It is for you. The Lord says your journey's different than others. He says, but he says, don't assume that because your journey is different that somehow or another you have to stand on the outside looking in. The Lord says, you're not, you're not on the outside. The Lord says, I've opened up the door for you to enter in. He says, he says this. He says, from today forward, he said, things are going to change. God says, you're not going to think any, any longer that maybe these things are for somebody else and not for you. The Lord says, today you're going to become more persuaded than you've ever been before that these things are as, uh, are as much for you as they are for anyone else. The Lord says, you're in the right place. You are in the right place. Ha ha, arasodoya. And then in Jenny, he says, he's, in fact, I, I feel like the Lord says this. He says, you have, you have trouble, he says, identifying what, his voice sometimes. You, you're not sure when he's talking and when it's your head. But, but the Lord says this. The Lord says, when y'all when came into Winner's Church, it's like, the, it's like the Lord said to you. It's like the Lord said, this is your place. This, I'm, I put you in this place. And at first he was like, man, this isn't like anything we've ever done or ever been a part. You know, but... When, when, the Lord, when the Lord said it, it was like something was settled in your inner man. Something was settled in your inner man. The Lord says he's going to help you to begin to be able to distinguish the difference between his voice and your own voice. So that you can, so that you can establish yourself and settle yourself on what you know to be the voice of God. And you won't be drawn away by you know, all the other voices that you hear that you think, well, you know, that sounds, that does sound right. And that might be good, but you know what? There's something that's there's something that establishes you. That's that's his voice. That's his word. God says he's gonna help you to hear his voice in this season. God says it's for you. It's not, he's not, it's you're not just looking and, and he said it's for you. Amen. This is for you. The move of the spirit's for you. That anointing is for you. The demonstration of the power of God, it's for you. Healing, miracles, it's for you. All those things. They're for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're going to see them happen through you in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. You and Seth both in Jesus' name. God says y'all's conversations are going to change. In the, in the, in the future, the Lord says, instead, inst, God says instead of questions, you're going to admonish one another. Because a lot of what you guys do is you're like, you know, I have these questions and you, and you pass your questions back and forth. But there's coming a season where you guys are just going to make declarations over one another. You know what? You're, you're going to say this. You're going to say, Seth, you're anointed. Now, I wonder what that means to be anointed. I wonder, you, are, you, you, are you anointed? Am I anointed? Who's really anointed? It's not going to be that. You're just going to be like, Seth, you're anointed. Spirit of God says you're anointed. Even though I may not know all what that means, you're anointed. 
And you're about to enter into something. And he's going, and he's going to make, he's going to admonish you. And he's going to make declarations over you. And he's going to, he's going to declare, you hear the voice again. You know what? You hear the voice again. Not, I wonder if we'll ever be able to hear. No, it's not going to be that way. What does it take to hear the voice? No, it's just going to be like, you hear the voice of God. And you're going to step over. You're going to step over into a new place. God's transforming y'all. Your whole house is about to be shook up. Amen. Telebrojosa. The anointing. There's nothing from your past that can hold you from your future. The Lord says there's nothing that's strong enough that can keep you out of what God has for you in the day to come. The Lord says, don't look back to try to find what's keeping you back. The Lord says, there's nothing back there strong enough that can keep you back. The Lord says, what is in your past is in your past. He says, it has no bearing on what is ahead. The Lord says, only way your past can keep you, he says, if you keep looking back at it, thinking that it can. God says, he's turned you loose from all those things of old, and he's released you into new things. I hear that over the both of you. Thank God. You know what I hear the Lord saying? He says, you need to, uh, he says, you need to not uh, uh, be anxious over things that you believe that you learned uh, that were wrong. Because God says, I'll correct everything that was. The Lord says, I will correct every area that needs correction. He says, I will bring into the light, the Lord says, anything that has been hidden from you. God says, I'll, I'll reveal it. He says, and I'll give you my wisdom. The Lord says there'll, there'll be some things that you'll take out of a, another season and bring into the next. But the Lord says there's some things they won't serve you no more. It's like, it was like Tyler said, that corrupt communication is, are things that you say that don't fit where you're at anymore. And the Lord says that's what's happened to y'all. Y'all have said stuff, you're like, wait a minute, that don't even fit to where we're at right now. That, it's behind you. But the Lord told me to tell you this. He says, don't think you're being held back by the past. Lord says, there's nothing in your past strong enough to keep you there, to keep you back. God says, your desire and your willingness to follow me into the future, the Lord says, is enough. He says, there's nothing that can keep you, the Lord says, as long as you're in me and I'm in you. And he says, and that's where it's at right now. But Lord, am I really with you if I make mistakes? The Lord says, yeah, you're with me and I'm with you. He says, and you'll make it through. If you'll trust in me. Thank God. Let the anointing. Ha The grace and the favor of Almighty God. You know what I hear the Lord saying to tell you? Lord says that out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. God says you're going to go to prayer. You're going to open up your mouth. And you're going to pray in languages. In languages. You're going, to, you're going to go off in prayer. You're going to be like, this is a different language. This is a different. Your wife's going to hear. She's going to be like, that's a different language. That's a different language. And it's going to be more. I mean, you're just going to. It's going to be like it rolls out, out of your belly. It's not going to come out of your head. It's going to come out of your spirit. It's just going to roll out of your spirit. The Lord says, I'm going to say all kinds of things through you. The Lord says, there are going to be days. He says, you're going to have trouble talking English. For all the tongues that want to be coming out of your spirit. The Lord says, you're not going to have no issue praying in tongues. God says, when, 
they're going to be a damn more like, let's all pray in the spirit. You're just going to be like, ah, I mean, you're going to be the one, you're going to be the one that tears out the hardest and the long. And, and, oh, and he says, and there are going to be many people that enter into Holy Ghost baptism because of the release of the power of God's spirit through the gift of tongues, the Lord says, in your life. So he says, he told me to tell you this. He says, one day he says, you're going to lay hands on people. They're going to be filled with the spirit and they're going to, that heavenly language. In fact, God says there'll be people that'll be like, it's hard for me to get pe you know, people baptized in the spirit. You're going to go up to them. You're going to say, be filled. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's just going to happen in a moment. God says his grace is extended towards you. He, he says people are going to encounter the spirit when you pray for them. And it's Sekeia. So be ready. He says you're, it's working already in you. And it'll, it'll come to fruition in its fullness in not many days. Woo-hoo-hoo. Lord, let the anointing be on Lindsay. Lord, let the anointing of your spirit. Uh, let favor and grace be upon him to step over, Lord, into the flow and to be obedient, Lord, uh, in doing, Lord, the very basic, the very the simple things, the things that many miss out on. Lord, let your grace, let your anointing, let your spirit uh, be upon him, not just within him, but upon him. And then Mosiah, Forodoyasa to do, Lord, and then Mostokoro, what you've created him to do in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Celebro Soya, Horomongele Jedea, the anointing, Holoborosa, Torosobone Machete Borese, and then Mosengele Chede Goresa, Soborosona, Handana Majeda, Dorosokoro Driectai. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. May she step out, God, like never before in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your mind isn't going to be filled with thoughts of what you've endured uh, in church in the past. The, the Lord says every time you go to connect with the Lord, the enemy tries to remind you of the hurts that you endured in another season. The Lord told me to tell you this. He says, uh, it's like I, it's, I've seen this before. It's like I see the hand of, of God with a big eraser like we used to have at school. And all those things that were on that board, that were, I, I see his hand erasing that stuff. I see him taking and wiping that away. And so uh, you're, you're not even going to know, you're not even going to be aware of it. There's going, to, there's going to be a time when you come into his presence and you're just not going to think about what happened to you before. The Lord says you're not going to be afraid to fellowship with God's people. You're not going to be afraid to connect with, with the saints of God. Because the Lord, the Lord says this. The Lord says, I the Lord says, I've prepared you for this new season, for this new time. But there, it's a new season for you. God says, it's a new day. It's a new day. For the glory of God in the name of Jesus. So I lose that to you. Lord, I thank you for Debbie. Lord, let your anointing. Ha ha. Lord, on Ted. Kelesibara. Menexekea. Woohoo. Shebara Suba. Ha ha. Shelebore Sekea. Lord, let Anna. Ha ha. Go to Sekea. Fola Masana for your glory, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Stepping over Andrew and Amosi for the glory of God in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. 
I thank you for it, Lord. In the most decadence, Arasabongele Chedriataya. Barasopom Brandon and Maribo, Eres Fredriak Shea. Fola Sakata, Lord, Tyler, ha ha ha, Shoromosi, Porodros de Palacalajea. Lola that anointing, Corosi Brenge, may him stem Monse, let him step over for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank God. Did I pray for everybody? Is that everybody? Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, Talisha. Talisha. Ele socorodian sakaya dara. Feleje de rege sakachetara vosakala brande. Ene mono more mesta cara briche. Delegista cara. Ene mesta forange donge legea. Rakatale bele sefre. You know what the Lord told me to tell you, Talisha? The enemy's mad because you quit believing his lie. There, amen. There's some things, there's some things that the devil told you your whole life through a family, through people that you were in relationship with, kids at school. They, it's like they told you the same thing. It was something constant that you heard. Trying to mold your identity and mold you into something that God never intended for you to be. And then when you tucked into the Lord... It's like the Lord took that image and he, and, he, and, he, uh, and he erased it to the point where you were like, nope, that ain't me. And you began to identify with who the Lord created you to be. It made the enemy mad because everything that he worked through your whole life to develop in you, a moment in God destroyed it. The Lord says he's trying to put that image back together. He, he keeps trying to erect it. And the Lord just keeps tearing it down. God says, God says this. God says, you'll never identify with. You'll never identify. You will never identify with the lie ever again. I may have told you something similar to this before. You're never going to identify with that lie again. The Lord says, you're, you're, you'll fight with the enemy. But God wants you to know this. I've already given you the victory. The Lord says, you don't feel the victory, but God says, you have the victory. The Lord says, you don't know that the, you don't see the, 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 the banner of victory being waved, but the Lord says, he says, I'm already waving it over you. The Lord says, I have danced a dance of deliverance around you. I have sung over you the songs of deliverance. The Lord says, you know, the Bible says that when King Saul, when there, there were spirits that tormented him, and he'd call for David to come into play and to worship God. And those spirits would, you know, back off. The Lord says, the Lord says there's, there's, you, you have looked everywhere to try to find something that would push back the darkness. You know, the only thing that works is when God comes and he begins to sing songs of deliverance over you. And that happens every time you're in his presence. So the Lord, the Lord says this, he says, keep on coming in. He says, the victory is already yours. He says, you're not going to win. He says, there's some people say, hang in there. You're going to win. Lord says, you already won. It's already done. Because God said this. God says, I destroyed that image that the devil created of you. And he says, and I've revealed to you who I've created you to be. The Lord says, and then Mosea. And he says, and even though you've not reached the time of celebrating that, the Lord says, it's not far off. He says, where you're going to celebrate a new birth, a new beginning. He says, you've been born again, but the Lord says, when you step into that identity, you begin to live that out. The Lord says, it's going to be like a brand new day. 
It's going to be like you're a, you've experienced being born again all over again. In the name of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. You're, you're, a, you're a good mother to good children. Did you hear what I just said? You are a good mother to good children. The Lord, the Lord says this. He says that's one of the things the devil tried to destroy. The devil, the Lord said, the devil wanted to do in you what he did in those that came ahead of you. And the Lord says, the Lord says he just looks at you and he grinds his teeth with seething with anger that what he set out to do has failed. Because God said from the first one, the Lord said, you already began to imitate that reflection that you saw in the mirror of God's word. Even though it was hard for you to make out, the Lord says everything you thought you saw, you began to, boy, I'm prophesying right now. I saw, I saw Carolyn one time and I, I saw these demon spirits at one of those uh, uh, um, drawing things that uh, architects draw on, I don't know, an easel. And these devils were mapping something and then they would, there was two of them. They were uh, facing each other and each one of them would just, they'd grab the paper and they'd throw it down and the floor was full of paper and the waste basket was full of paper. And I was praying for Carolyn when I saw this. You know what the Lord told me? The Lord said, the devil's run out of stuff to do to Carolyn to try to knock her off course. The devil can't even come up with a plan no more. Every plan he goes halfway through and he's like, I ain't going to work and throws it down. And there's Carolyn, just she's, she's still going. And I, and I didn't see that picture for you, but the Lord says it's same for her like it is for Carolyn. The enemy's got to the point where nothing works. Nothing's working. Now you, you feel it, but nothing's working. The weapon's formed and you see it and you're like, you see the weapon. You know what the weapon is. You know how the weapon affected you before. But guess what? Though the weapon is formed, it won't prosper. Though the words have been spoken, the Lord says they're going to fail. He said, even some of the words spoken out of your very mouth. God says, those words, because they didn't align with my spirit, they came out of your mouth, they fell to the ground dead. The Lord says, I'm watching out for you. God said, I'd, he said, I told you I'd be with you. And the Lord said, I'm with you. He says, now when you leave out of here, he says, you're going to be aware of it in Jesus' name. Thank God. Thank God. Talisha, the Lord's going to wake you up. Now, he's going he's to let you rest. But he, said, he told me to tell you this. He says, when he wakes you up, it's not because he wants you to get down and pray and intercede. He says, he's going to wake you up just so, just so that you know he's there. He's going he's to wake you up. You're going to be like, what? What? Yes, Lord. He's going to be like, hey, I just want you to know I'm here. And then he's gonna, you're going to go back to sleep. <laughs> He just wants you to know he's here. Amen. See, the enemy, he tried to wake you up and make you afraid that he was there. But God says he's going to wake you up and he's going to let you know. It's okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Amen. Thank God. Well, let's lift up our hands and thank the Lord for all he's said and done. I know we've been here a long time. Boy, the natives must be restless. Everybody's got a kid. <laughs> what a mighty God we serve. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord.
Well, glory to God. Then in Mesta, Torofridia, Shomron de Nemase. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to quit. It's going to be a great week. Wednesday, will, what is this? Is this, this in last Wednesday? No, it's middle, middle of the month. So I will be preaching, ministering this Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're talking about power gifts, healing, miracles, and um, faith. So what we're talking about this Wednesday's. I'm not going to talk anymore about how associations affect the anointing because this is the last opportunity I had. It's done. So anyway, uh, we might talk a little bit about it Wednesday, but um, so I'll see you guys Wednesday. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be here. Come expecting. Listen, uh, come ready to worship. Listen, don't be laid back. God had called us to be laid back in our worship. God's called us to be expressive in our worship. I'm not asking you to be expressive for me. I'm asking you to be expressive to entertain his presence. You say, Pastor, do we need to be expressive? God created you expressive so that you would be expressive in worship to him. He didn't create you to be expressive so you could be a good OU fan. He created you to be expressive so that you could express these things toward him. That's what entertains his presence. And I'm, you say, well, I'm not that kind of person. Well, that's why, it's, that's why he loves it. Because some of you, he knows you're not that kind of person. And because you'd go out of your way to be expressive in worship to him, that's what... That's the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips giving thanks. A sacrifice of praise is when you give up something that costs you something. And that's what he wants us to do. So I'm, I'm going to encourage you with that because uh, lately uh, I feel, I've come in here and I'm like, am I in the right church? And I think maybe I haven't been encouraging enough when it comes to that. I do expect that we would get in there uh, with all of our hearts. But uh, listen, I love you. I appreciate you. Go in his presence today. Before you leave, love someone because you do. Uh, again, for those of you that are here visiting, we have a couple. But um, we're a spirit-led church. We're, you're not going to get a cookie and a coffee and a sermon here. You're, we're going to stay here until the Holy Spirit turns us loose. And sometimes that's sooner rather than later. And sometimes that's later rather than sooner. But no, no apologies for me. We're, we're going to keep on pressing in because we're hungry for God. Listen, I love you. Go in his presence. I'll see you guys next week.